Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, August 10th. Coming up, 80 million years ago, the dry, dusty plains of western Kansas were covered by a massive body of water teeming with exotic forms of life. And the remnants of that life have made western Kansas an unlikely magnet for generations of scientists. I consider western Kansas the birthplace of American paleontology. We'll take a trip back in time to learn about the sea monsters that patrolled ancient Kansas and the people digging up the clues they left behind. Plus, why are so many pools in Kansas City closed? But first, some headlines. Cerner Corporation has agreed to settle racial discrimination charges for $1.8 million. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. The settlement resolves charges brought against the Kansas City-based health information technology company by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs. The office alleged that Cerner discriminated over a four-year period from 2015 to 2019 against qualified black and Asian applicants who sought work at the company. The settlement money will go to 1,870 job applicants, equal to about $1,000 per applicant. Cerner denied the allegations and, as part of the settlement, did not admit liability. Missourians will vote on legalizing recreational marijuana this November. Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft approved a petition to get the issue on the ballot yesterday. John Payne is the campaign manager for Legal Missouri 2022. He says the petition received a lot of support, and he thinks that's good news for its chances later this year. We think that indicates that there's a strong support among Missouri voters for this, and that's also consistent with uh, the public polling that's out there. The referendum would legalize marijuana use and possession for those 21 and older, with a limit on how much you can possess. COVID-19 cases across Kansas City are dropping after a months-long surge. The Mid-America Regional Council reports that hospitalizations are down from a July peak of 100 a day to an average of 84 a day in the past week. Dr. Sarah Boyd of St. Luke's Health System says it's too early to predict if those numbers will continue to trend downward because school is starting again soon. Plateauing or going down now is good, and I think we'll just have to see how things look in the next few weeks. Jackson County remains at a high community risk of COVID, according to the CDC, while Johnson County has dropped to a low risk level. Wyandotte County is holding steady at a medium risk. In the middle of an unusually hot summer, pools in Kansas City, Missouri are closed early this year. KCUR's Beck Shackleford-Wanganga has been reporting on how city budget issues and a shortage of lifeguards are putting a damper on summer fun for many. She joined me to talk about where else you can cool off in the metro. So why are so many pools in Kansas City closed? Yeah, so actually all of the public pools except for the two water parks that are a part of the Kansas City, Missouri Parks and Rec Department have closed, they closed July 31st, uh, which is about two weeks earlier than usual because of a lack of funds. And this early closure was planned from the beginning of the season. Why is there confusion about which pools are open? So the Parks and Rec Department did a good job at updating their website. And it said from the beginning, like, pools closed July 31st. However, Google Maps, which is what (laughs) most people use, um, says that the pools are still open. 
So it does just cause confusion for people who are just headed over. And also, like I said, I mean, they close two weeks earlier than normal. Um, Usually they're open until school starts. And so people that live in the neighborhood might not, you know, understand that they're closed and just kind of walk over and, and find that they're no longer open. And you talked to some people who were trying to visit these pools, right? Yeah, actually, um, the first pool I went to, Grove Park Pool over in 18th and Vine, uh, there was a lady out for a walk there and she was like, oh my gosh, why is the pool closed? My great granddaughter and my granddaughter love to come here. And even she had people approaching her while I was talking to her asking like, hey, (laughs) what's going on? And they actually had walked to the pool. Um, And then at the um, Bud Park Pool over in Northeast Kansas City, there was a family that drove and stopped to ask me, like, what's going on? Um, and so, so yeah, they had a car full of kids and they were excited to swim. But, um, you know, they were they were disappointed. They ended up going over to um, a water park in South Kansas City. There's been a shortage of lifeguards across the country. I'm wondering how has that affected local pools and water parks? Yeah. So in this situation, The lifeguard shortage was definitely, I mean, felt throughout the metro, but it was not the reason the pool closed. However, um, the two water parks that KCMO uh, Parks and Rec has opened, the Bay Water Park and the Springs Aquatic Center, they are not completely open. Um, (laughs) So the Bay Water Park, all summer long, their slides and their Lazy River, which are some main attractions there, have been closed because of a lifeguard shortage. They don't have enough people to safely staff those areas. And then the Springs Aquatic Center, um, amenities similar to the ones at the Bay, like, uh, you know, slides and that type of thing. They've been closed off and on. It just has depended on, you know, like how many lifeguards they have on a day by day basis. Um, Someone I spoke to at the Parks and Rec Department, he told me that, you know, they're just even with these two water parks being the only pools open right now, they're just struggling to make it through the rest of the summer. You spoke to some lifeguards for this story. What did they say about their jobs? Yeah, so the lifeguards I spoke to, um, actually, they were at the Baywater Park, and it was their first summer lifeguarding. They were pretty enthusiastic about their job. They said um, maybe kids don't want to because they're afraid of COVID, or maybe they're lazy. (laughs) That's what a lot of lifeguards told me. Um, But they said, really, for the most part, it's a pretty easy job. It can be a little intimidating being trusted in um, trying to, you know, save a person. Um, But they said that as long as you take it seriously, you know, it's really not not that difficult. Can you talk a little more about the budget issues that led to pools being closed? Yeah, so I didn't dig very deeply into this yet. um, But Doug Schroeder, who he's an uh, administrative officer at Casey Parks and Rec, he told me, um, I mean, essentially, like, public pools are a public amenity, and they really don't bring in a ton of revenue. I mean, you know, admission is like a dollar, two dollars. So they're not really bringing in a ton. And he said he just he did with, you know, he did what he could with the funds he was given at the beginning of the year for the pools. Um, also, I'd like to note that the two water parks on days when they have less amenities, um, they reduce their admission fees. So this summer has been unusually hot with pools in Kansas City, Missouri closed. Where else can people go to cool off? Yeah, so Kansas City has several um, splash parks or spray grounds or whatever you want to call them, um, mainly for like little kids to go play. um, And those are open through Memorial Day. There's one in Luce Park. There's one in Gillum Park. um, So those are nice places to to go and cool off. That was KCUR's Beck Shackelford Wanganga. 
For generations, scientists have flocked to dry, dusty western Kansas to learn about the sea. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports what they're finding there could hold clues about life in long-gone oceans and about the future of life in a changing climate. About 20 miles south of Interstate 70 in western Kansas, there's a spot where pillars of white and golden rock tower over the flat plains, the Castle Rock Badlands. Paleobiologist David Levering leads a group from Fort Hayes State University through the rock formations. It's obviously quite barren and rocky now, but in the Cretaceous, where we're standing would have been the bottom of a sea. It's hard to imagine, but this dry, desolate landscape used to be completely covered by water, teeming with exotic forms of life. That was 80 million years ago. But the remnants of that life, embedded in these rocks, continue to draw scientists here from all over the globe. And if researchers didn't have easy access to this former ocean floor on the Kansas prairie, the world might never know about the ancient ecosystems that thrived here. Paleontologist Laura Wilson with the Sternberg Museum in Hayes says that's a big deal. We would just be looking at the dinosaurs on land, and that's only half the picture. For millions of years, this region sat beneath the waves of the Western Interior Seaway, a body of water hundreds of miles wide that split North America in half from the Arctic Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico. Back then, sea monsters patrolled these waters. Bus-length reptiles with razor-sharp teeth, giant carnivorous fish, clams the size of car hoods. It was no day at the beach. My favorite description I've heard of the Western Interior Seaway is Hell's Aquarium. Wilson is studying prehistoric sea turtles that survived on a greenhouse planet hotter than the one we know today. And her research could inform conservationists about how modern turtles might adapt to a warming climate. Her work is just the latest chapter in a surprisingly rich tradition of discovery in western Kansas that has shaped our understanding of ancient ocean life for more than a century. I consider western Kansas the birthplace of American paleontology. Some of America's biggest early fossil finds happened right here in the late 1800s. And specimens from western Kansas now grace the halls of world-class museums, from New York to London to Germany. This particular corner of Kansas rose to fame 70 years ago, thanks to pioneering local paleontologist George Sternberg. Here he had unearthed a discovery that crowned his distinguished career. That's when he dug up a 14-foot fish with an 8-foot fish in its belly. It's now known far and wide as the fish within a fish. This is the most photographed fossil in our collection by a long shot. Everybody takes their picture with this. I mean, I have it on my shirt. <laughs> Allie Baumgartner oversees the museum's fossil collection. She says a lot has changed since Sternberg dug up this masterpiece. But one thing that hasn't changed much, the actual work of paleontology. She says it still comes down to staring at rocks and slowly chipping away with household tools. Paint scrapers, bamboo skewers, toothbrushes. In the museum basement, Baumgartner slides open drawer after drawer of specimens. Shells, teeth, toes. In all, this collection is home to more than 20,000 fossils. And that is what continues to draw the world's scientists here. People like Morishida, a Japanese researcher who's visiting from the University of Alberta in Canada. She says other parts of the world just don't have this many well-preserved fossils. It's been great. Oh my God. It's like wonderful experience. <laughs> so what makes dry as dust western Kansas so extraordinary? Well, it's one of few spots on Earth where the rock around these fossils is more delicate than the fossils themselves. That's a good thing. These badlands are made of soft chalk, so scientists can gently brush it away without wrecking the fragile skeletons. 
After a morning at Castle Rock, David Levering's group examines dozens of clams, some fish bones, a few shark teeth. Each little discovery marks another small step toward better understanding life in Long Gone Oceans, and maybe another step toward building more Kansas pride in the watery world that once called this place home. I know that Kansas has a lot of appreciation for the modern prairie. I think the seaway is worthy of a similar level of respect and celebration. For the Kansas News Service, I'm David Condos in the Castle Rock Badlands. KCUR's Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. You can find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Beck's story about pool closures and David's story about fossils in western Kansas on kcur.org, where you can find more Missouri and Kansas news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear about the history of Kansas City's first black housing cooperative. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Hey, I'm KCR Studio Summer Intern Paris Norvell. Every episode of A People's History of Kansas City brings you up close and personal with a particular person's story, and there's over like 20 episodes waiting for you right now. Like one about the founder of Kansas City's famous barbecue flavor, or about how a local broadcaster carved out a space for Black-owned radio. And there's so many more stories just like those ready for you to discover. Check out the vault of past episodes of A People's History of Kansas City. Rate them and share them with your friends.